Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back. Episode 14 is here. As always, Steve Opolinik is your host. Um, I'm glad you guys are back. Episode 14 was a pretty amazing episode. I got to sit down with my friend Heidi Yoey and really catch up with her. Heidi and I had worked together at Springfield College for a LASIS program, and it's a student uh, leadership program for youth adolescents and uh, preteens that we worked over the summer and we were able to have them come and work on leadership training during one week and on the second week they actually stayed over in the dorms with us learned leadership skills and put them to practice with putting together a presentation about how they were going to solve a problem that was really pertinent in their community. It was a lot of fun, a lot of long nights, and as you're here in the podcast, all the Laces crew uh, like to celebrate. But I didn't ask Heidi on the podcast because of that. I really wanted to catch up with Heidi because I had been following her on social media, seen over the last 10 years, seen some ups and downs, and, and seen this great empowered person emerge from her. And she's doing great things. She works at two nonprofits. One of the nonprofits she actually cre- created herself. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that towards the end of the episode. And you'll hear about Heidi's journey with loving herself, learning from her sister, loving and, and treasuring her sister, honoring her sister, her battle with self-care, her battle with alcohol and why she chose um, to be sober. She's been sober the last couple of years and how that's affected her life and her daughter's life. We talk a lot about empowering self, empowering young women and empowering any young children. And I assert that Heidi has a great deal of knowledge and compassion and grace to other people, but to herself too. So her journey is really amazing. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, episode 14. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Welcome, Heidi, Yoey. Awesome to have you on. Thank you, Stephen Opolinik. Happy to be here. Uh, before we started recording, we were just talking. It's been about 10 years since we've seen each other since Springfield College days and laces. I think those were yeah. the last times. Um, 10 years, time flies. So it, it really does fly because my daughter's already four, and I know your daughter is it's a little bit six. older, but that's crazy. And I mean, to think 10 years ago, we were working with children that were only, you know, respectively five years older than our children are now. Right. Actually, um, we had a guest on our third guest on the pod was Johnny Tran, and he was actually one of the high schoolers we had in the second year of laces that I did. Uh, so it's kind of crazy that he was um, was there. I have to go back and listen to that. I've listened to a few, but I got to check out Johnny Tran and old laces alone. Uh, no, he's uh, he's doing well. Shout out to Johnny Tran if you're listening. Yeah. So Johnny. Heidi, um, I know a little bit about you, but could you t- t- uh, tell the listeners a little bit about you and some of your story? Yeah. Um, I. It's always hard to know where to start with that. So I guess. 
um, I start with I'm a daughter and I'm a sister. Um, I was a follower first because I'm the youngest of five children. Um, and then through Modern Family, I'm now in the middle of 13. I'm one of 13. Oh, wow. Um, I am an avid, avid um, collaborator. I um, am a recovering meanie to myself. Mm -hmm. I am just finding self-love and um, not seeing it as maybe a selfish plight, but more of a um, a light that is needed in the world. Um, I am a mother. I'm a business owner and founder. I'm a nonprofit worker. Um, I am a teetotaler. I am veganish. I say <laughs> I used to be a little. I used to be a little risk, um, that, and now I'm finding that I lie comfortably in the ish. Um, yeah, and so saying. many more things. Right? I. I I saw this thing that says, you know, you are one person to yourself, but there's a million different versions of you out there, um, depending on who saw you and what they think of you and in what day. And, um, you know, so that's some of the things that I would describe myself as, but who knows? <laughs> I'm just one of the people that is a part of my story. That's a great summation of everything. And I, I like that saying of... Um getting comfortable in the ish right because i think that's so pertinent to a bunch of stuff because it's really hard to identify exactly what we identify with and so being able to not label ourselves and just be in that ish area and also it's a you know it's a word that also means ill shit um so being comfortable in the ill shit is also a really good slogan to throw out there yeah. Think, you know what? That's going to be the name of our episode is finding comfort in the ish. Comfort in the ish. Cool. I like the direction already. Let's go with it. Ish. <laughs> so so it, it would help if I actually spoke into the mic. Um, so there was a lot in that introduction. I think that is up there with one of the best introductions that we've had on the podcast because you were really honest just about what you you think about. And so I want to start with one of the things that stood out in that was um, a, recovering, a recovering meanie to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so can you jump into that a little bit more? Uh, you yeah. did mention self-love and not being selfish, but. Yeah, um, I think I'm discovering it goes hand in with um, being a teetotaler with not drinking um, alcohol anymore. And it's because alcohol was my first kind of coping mechanism that I realize now that I was doing when I was younger to, um, to kind of roughen or soften the edges of being mean to myself. Um, I don't know where that came from. I have, I'm from like very loving parents Um siblings of course there was sibling rivalry and being the youngest I like so badly wanted to be like my incredible siblings like each one of them is just so real and pure and um special that I it's not because of that but I think I always like felt like I wasn't enough um yeah and I just I definitely, when I was younger, I was mean to other people, like real mean. Um, you know, when you first kind of discover your language, um, I remember like in the fifth grade, I was really just like, my words would really cut people. And it was because they were like cutting myself, you know. Right. Um, and I remember one year I had a volleyball coach who um, found a journal of mine. And in this journal, I had drawn a picture of her and, or no, excuse me, I had written like all the things that I didn't like about this coach. Like, and I was what, maybe 19, so I'm sure it wasn't kind. 
Well, in that journal, I also drew a picture of myself, like this horrible drawing, and like pinpointed all the things that I hated. I hate my calves, or like man calves, like my snaggle tooth, like just really rude, mean things. And my coach found it. And so in my head, when she found it, I was like, oh no, oh no, she's going to find the list of things that are like mean about her. And she didn't say anything about that page. I still don't know to this day if she read it or not. Me in her office and um, said, I want to talk to you about this journal. And I was like, oh, shh, you're okay. And she went to that um, page that I've drawn of myself. And she was like, this is the saddest thing I think I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. I don't think that that's like a, I don't think that I'm special or unique in that. That's one story. But I think women in particular, but I, I for men are really hard on ourselves. Um, the mean girl syndrome, it starts inward and then, you know, can unleash outward. Thank you for sharing that. That's, you know, that's some intense stuff to be open about and and share. And I, I think I can't speak for all men, but for me specifically, I was very much like that as well. I, I used, uh, siblings and friends and and just people who I thought knew it all in in my grades uh, or even the grades above me as measuring sticks as to who I was as a person. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you do, actually, I'd say most of the times when you do that, you you set yourself up for failure because you never measure up to another person because we're just too different. Um, And, you know, that self intrinsic self of, of looking at all our worst habits or, or attributes or physical attributes or, or just personalities and totally shitting all over that. Um, it seems at times cathartic, but in in no means is, um, there's no healing that comes out of it. It's just all negative and perpetuates that cycle. Um, I've, I've been open about talking about, uh, my emotional overeating disorder that I've had when I was younger on the podcast, but that's, that's really where it came from having that cycle for me of, Hey, I'm overweight. I don't like this. I don't look like these people I'm not as athletic as these people and being anxious or depressed about it. And then eating a bunch and feeling better, but then having that, that downward cycle of, Oh, now I feel terrible because I just ate this thing that I thought I was in control of, but completely was just self-sabotaging because it it made me feel good because it it created more serotonin, but it actually didn't make me feel more positive about myself. Right. Yeah. And the cycle continues, right? Filling a a hole with an even larger hole is, is something that I, I'm glad that you clarified because that is not, um, that is not just a special thing for girls to go through, right? That is probably the human condition. Um, well, I mean, it, I think it's a little bit different, right? Because I think, you know, with guys and, and these gender roles that get perpetuated by tech or by um, media or anything anything like that, um, it I feel like it's not as upfront and as out there as being a, a young girl or a teenage girl, um, it's, it's kind of directly referenced throughout a lot of what you do. And I think, you know, it is the human condition, but I, I think we deal with that in different settings. And I, I think that's really, <laughs> for lack of a better word, I think that's really shitty that, you know, neither are, are embraced by people and say, hey, everyone is having a really hard time. Maybe we should just be good to ourselves and then, everyone be good. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I'm thankful because I feel like there is this wave of um, like this collect collective consciousness happening where people are starting to say, ah, <laughs> we're starting to share our stories together and figure out like um, we're not as unique as maybe we thought we were in our struggles mm-hmm. um, that, that they're shared and that we've spoken about. And um Sometimes even just speaking about them or exploring them kind of takes the pressure off. Um, yeah, so it might not feel as heavy. Yeah, and I think that's really <clears throat> why, personally, I, I wanted to do some of this podcast is is to have 
that message to whoever's listening, if it affects one person, then that's a hundred percent. Like we're on point. We're accomplishing what we're doing with the podcast. Uh, just to have people talk openly about some things and share, share things and talk about their insight on it. So you went from that and you had that very, I'm sure, uh, open and blunt conversation with your coach. How did you transition into deciding not to be as mean to, well, not deciding, but making those healing steps towards not being so mean to yourself? Um, it happened in a way that if I could, I would take it back and I would be um, just as mean, if not meaner, um, to myself if I could. Um, in 2016, my older sister, Sarah, um, passed away suddenly, kind of tragically. And I think when you're faced so, so head on with death, um, life can't help but be explored. Um, and so I just did, I was grasping at thing to make my suffering, um, less and, um, and, you know, self love and healing and, um, looking my kind of traumas or my hurts or suffering in the eye instead of running away from it or drowning it in, um, alcohol or you know the likes um yeah so i often say like i'm i'm so thankful for where i am now um in my life i i think sarah would be so proud of me but i would trade it in a heartbeat right and i'm sorry to hear about sarah i know that you guys were really close and it seems like you guys shared a lot of adventures and a lot of amazing things together and you know i think that's the first time i ever saw you spin fire around <laughs> was when you went on a trip with her um yeah and- yeah sarah's like zest for life that um like spinning fire i never thought in a million years i remember we had i had just finished um laces program and so i was moving back to arizona and she was like heidi we're gonna move in we're gonna learn how to spin fire and we'll just live on the beach and i was like what planet are you from like i'm not doing that she's like no we're gonna go but i mean i i followed her lead my entire life she's years older than me she was just um magnetic you you people would trip over themselves to be around her the way that she could make people feel um and I don't know. So maybe like there's a part of her that just lives on in me. And so I am kind of bombarded by the good things about me that she would do when I was around. And I'm like encouraged by that. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I I think, you know, if, to anyone who's listening and if it's that one person, like my big thing is my road to health and self-love and recovery isn't going to look like anybody else's. Um, and that's okay. We can all still like support each other on the journey, you know? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, when I think about it, I get lost in my head where there's like so much to say and at the same time, like no words will really do any of it justice. Right. You know, um, without, putting too fine of a detail on it like what what do you feel she taught you Hmm. um the first thing that comes to mind is gratitude um i remember i don't know why i just remember this one particular day she came like bounding in and was like sis i figured it out i figured out the key to happiness (laughs) it was like really great what is it and she was so definitive like that and she'd like pierced you with her eyes so she like she had figured it out and i was like all right like fork it over um and she was like it's gratitude like we just have to be thankful for every single thing we have and um and i think that's really like (laughs) <laughs> there's always someone who has it so much worse than I do. Um, um, now, I think for me, the the key to that is to what I would do is like, oh, people have it so much worse than you. You're such an asshole. Like, why would you even think that you should be sad right now? Like, you should, you know. And so to turn that 
in and take it away from kind of that um, self-inflicting bully, <laughs> like to say, no, yeah, I can recognize that there's people have it worse. I'm dealing with something like, what is it? Like, I think now that I don't drink, I'm able to kind of say like, what's, what's the real stuff without the, without the like loud, um, like ups and downs and roller coaster. Like, what is it for real? Um, yeah. I think that exactly what you just said is pertinent for people to hear because there is that idea of having gratitude in general, but also being gracious to yourself. And I think that's where the misalignment happens a lot of times. Mm. You hear people who are struggling with something. Um, my mom recently just had her knee surgery and she she's dealing with, you know, the complications of that. And, and someone was talking to her the other day and was like, you know, it's a surgery healing. That's good. The other people have these ailments that don't go away like that. And, you know, my wife and I were talking to my mom and, and part of me was like, yeah, no, that's right. But then part of me was also like, yeah, you have to, you have to, (laughs) you know, you have to honor what you're going through and, and, and get down, like you're saying to cut out all the bullshit and get down to the message of what it is. And I think Mm -hmm. when you talk about anything, any, anything going on to you, I think your body, your physical reactions, your mental reactions, your emotional reactions, those are all messages that our body, our system is trying to communicate to us something. Mm-hmm. And I think we get lost in that drama, in, in that roller coaster. Oh, I'm anxious. And you go up down and up and down. But we miss that heart of why, why am I anxious? What is, what is trying to be communicated to me? And until we do that, until we honor that, we're just going to keep in that cycle like you were saying. And when it comes to like something with your knee, you know that that's like the ailment that's happening right then. But what what actually got you on the road when it's not maybe a knee surgery, um, got you on the roller coaster, can be a little bit harder to figure out. Um, and so I love that you added grace in there because um, while you're figuring it out, like there's no reason to be beating yourself up for it. Um, I hope your mom's doing well. She is. Uh, she's a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moms uh, usually are. <laughs> yeah. I think she has a, a tenacity that she doesn't always see. And I think sometimes it's good for us to, to remind me like, Hey, look at what you're doing. This is amazing. And she, she yeah. gave birth to four of us with no pain meds or anything like that. Just old school. Wow. Right. Lady. But she, she's yeah. really meek, if, if you, like, very unassuming, very compassionate and, and hard to advocate for herself. So sometimes she needs a little boost of self-confidence, and, and I hope she's getting that. Yeah, it sounds like our moms are very similar in that. Like, um, yeah, my mom puts other people up like no other. And then if someone gives her a compliment or tells her that she's strong, she's like, no, I hate that. Don't do that. It's true. Oh, shout out to moms, huh? Yeah, all around. (laughs) And a great segue, um, because I do want to talk to to you about what it's like being a mom. And and it seems like you said your daughter's six in 2016 is when when your sister passed and you said that really started your your journey on uh, Mm -hmm. um, being nicer to yourself having gratitude um what was it like to see that do you think she noticed the shift throughout the years or do you think she would didn't know or oh she's got you she's absolutely you know has got to it's in her body somewhere now whether she's going to be able to pull that when she's a teenager and you know in her adult life i'm not sure but i mean it just um it's pretty night and day really um so yes and i really try my hardest without um being too like open and candid with her but i I try to be um not so open and candid where i would scare her but i do try to make sure she knows like moms get sad right and um are dealing with things and trying my hardest and making mistakes and i'm sorry and um i'm working on it and you know i just try to be 
she is the ultimate mirror for me, um, which is really, um, it's a trip because in some ways it is the most infuriating, like, (laughs) what? (laughs) And then in other ways it softens the edges and I can really let um, self-love come in and um, understanding and compassion. Like, um, sometimes I'll lose sleep over things that something baby Heidi did, like 10-year-old Heidi did. Like still losing sleep 20-something years later. Um, So when I'm able to look at Juniper and see like, wow, she's just like this scientist. She's exploring the world around her. She's trying to like use her power and harness it um, and, and, you know, make a space in this world for her. Like I was just trying to do that too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so it's been... um, there's no way that she couldn't notice, right? I right. I went from... Um, it's interesting because I, I'm open. I'm definitely very open about um, my life um, and my sobriety. Um, but I'm also nervous about it because alcohol is one of those things that you have to kind of explain to people why you d- right. don't take poison. It's the only, <laughs> the only one in the world. Um, and it's just so socially acceptable and normalized. Um, so... Um, but yeah, I was waking up with hangers, um, oh, and for moms too, like the wine thing for moms, everybody just normalizes wine. Like, um, so yeah, I'd wake up with hangovers. She has to, Juniper has to know a difference in just me being present. I went from, you know, always kind of talking about dreams to, you know, starting my own business and, um, you know, yeah, she definitely notices. (laughs) And I, I, I'm. I'm so happy you brought up the the wine culture, the mom wine culture, and just just the alcohol culture in general, because that's something I found myself struggling with too. You know, as a fellow person who's who's building a nonprofit and doing that work, in a lot of my a lot of the Promethean project is building for all walks of life, especially people who are in recovery, so they can feel accepted in the community and have some support. I've gone back and forth Amazing. with my own journey um, of, hey, I'm talking about sobriety and, and, and helping people with, say, should I be drinking beer? Or should, should I be getting drunk? Um, and I had like kind of a, a dual crisis of, no, that, you know, I'm, that wasn't my thing, so I can do that. But then also, you know, I'm talking about health and wellness so much and exercise and eating right and, 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 really making sure you're on that path, but I'm sitting here putting toxins in my body just for social engagement. And for some people, it's fine. And, you know, I don't poo-poo that, poo-poo that at all. I think that's fine. Do what, what you enjoy. But I stopped enjoying that because I was just too cerebral about it all the time. And I found myself saying, if I'm this cerebral, I'm, I'm just going to try to cut this out or at least pare it down. And I've been on this journey of of no alcohol for the last couple of months. And I think I really enjoy it. And I'm actually going to be working on down, um, downgrading my caffeine intake too, because that, that's mm-hmm. something that's also not talked about, but also can be beneficial, but so, yep. you know, yep. not always beneficial. Yeah. It's, um, it becomes like anything that cycle we had talked about before. Um, the same thing, once you kind of like get your foot on, um, you know, on the conveyor belt of health or wellness or not drinking or not, I mean, then all these other things come in. So I used to drink caffeine like a crazy person. Um, and now that I don't drink alcohol anymore, I've noticed I'm so sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff that I would have never noticed before because I needed it to wake up to feel better, to function, um, like going to work. I needed it, you know, midday. Um, so it like, I love, I love any, I love everybody. I love the humans, the human condition, all of it. I'm a life lover for sure. I love so much people that are willing to explore um, their quality of life and, and empower themselves to, um, to, to try different things. Like if something's not working for them, you don't have to be, you know, married to sobriety, but um, if you're not, one of, one of the best quotes I heard is the the wrong question that we're asking is, are you an addict? 
the the right question is 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 this whatever it is caffeine cigarettes um sex food um drugs you know codependency is any of that getting in the way of my best life and once i answered that question it was a no-brainer i didn't have to feel bad about um not drinking because i feel like if you don't drink or if you don't do one of those things that's socially acceptable i mean people just want to know like what'd you do did you like crash your car did you like you know, kill someone? Did you like, <laughs> how can you just not do the thing? Right. Um, and like, well, no, I just wasn't getting the results out of my life that I wanted. As far as I know, I only have one of them. So <laughs> I'll try something else on. Yeah. I think, uh, I was further about this one time too. And, and, and I do think when people ask those piercing questions about why you're not conforming or you're not, you're partaking in, in this thing that is socially acceptable and kind of all over our, our culture. A lot of times it pulls out some of the insecurities about themselves. And then mm-hmm. they kind of rally around that and are like, well, well, what happened? What made it so bad for you? Because it gives them a sense. And not all the times. I, I don't want to paint a picture that it, every person who is that. Um, but I think it kind of takes away from their own insecurities and, and kind of puts it back on like, oh, something must have really happened to to get you to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, um, I mean, when I first started like experiencing addiction in my family, like my family is, um, has gone through some intense separation because of big, because of addiction, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the hardest things in my life easily are because of, um, because of drugs. Um, but it, it, it takes anybody down, you know, it, there's, there's no discrimination. It takes the people that I've ever known and, and kind of to circle back around to just like being able to get this stuff out and to be honest about it because, um, we're not unique. We're not special. You know? mm. Like I wasn't the only one, you know, experiencing family being torn apart because of drugs and alcohol. Um, but I kept that so private and I'm sure that, you know, and I know there's other, I've seen other people on social media who were like, wow, I wish that I'd known that because it could have helped me because I was going through the same thing. Right. Um, so I'm really thankful for the work that you're doing and, um, you know, kind of, sounding the horn on like we all are going through it it's like get together and (laughs) the best of our ability no i mean that's all we have right like if if we can't embrace other people for the struggles they've gone through and and we if we can't embrace ourselves for the struggles we're going through there's really not much more that we have or that we can do right Right. I mean, there's a bunch of bullshit that we can do, right? But but to be proactive and, and move forward, there's not much more we can do than to put compassion out there for mm-hmm. self. For which is why one of my favorite meditations is the the meta meditation, where you just put that stuff out to the world about yourself, about your loved ones, about communities, about the world, about countries, but also about people who annoy you, mm-hmm. people who. Right you feel like you hate people right. who are, are terrible people and commit atrocities. Um, that's not saying, Hey, these people didn't do anything wrong and, and they're good. It's just saying, listen, like life's too short. We got to treat people with compassion and hold that space mm. for them. And because at the end of the day, if we don't, everyone's going to be shut down and no one, it, they're not going to be compassion. Yeah. Yeah. I think you asked me what Sarah had taught me and that's another thing, compassion too. And I feel like, um, I feel like one thing that I'm getting from this conversation, so I I just love it because what you, what you like put out there, you get back. And I really just do want to like be more gracious to myself. And that's just what I keep hearing back is like grace, grace and compassion. Um, and so, um, I don't know, I just can't thank you enough because it's times like these where like 
Sarah is still alive, just in like these good conversations. Um, I think, you know, if you want, like, in I I really feel like in the work I do, where I counsel people, adolescents, children, adults, couples, families, one of the things I like to drive home the most is kind of the message of there needs to be empathy, there needs to be compassion for people in this relationship, in your life, in, I don't know, I'm I'm going off on a tangent, but really the idea is this, is one of the most regulating things that we can do for our emotions, for our nervous system, especially if we find Mm -hmm. ourselves angry or anxious or depressed, is to find a way to practice compassion and empathy, right? And I know that's no easy task, but if you look at it biologically, it makes sense because you're not going to feel connected to someone if you're always in fight or flight. You're not going to feel some connected to someone if you're frozen all the time with severe depression, right? Now, now this isn't like a hack to say you don't need medications. You don't need to change lifestyles. You, you you know, just practice compassion is something that helps elevate you to a different reaction in your nervous system to, you know, that parasympathetic connection and calmness, um, which is also called, which is upon the vagus nerve, ventral vagus, vagus nerve. Um, right. And that is why it's really hard to to get out of a funk sometimes because if you're anxious, you're not geared to say, hey, let me go connect with people. You're geared to get the hell out of Dodge being threatening you. If you're depressed, you're playing dead. You're playing yeah. dead because really you ran out of options. And so to say, hey, just go out and hang out. Yeah, you can go out and you can go through the motions, but you're not actually not at that moment. So there, there needs to be work in the meantime. But really, compassion is helpful, uh, a helpful endeavor no matter what you do. I was just talking yeah. to someone, um, a kid's parents, and they were they're like, he's really disrespectful. We know he respects us. We know he loves us, but he's not showing us this. How can we practice, you know, helping him show us this respect and be respectful? And what I told him is he has to get involved in some kind of community, give back, take him to a soup kitchen, help him, you know, sign him up to clean up a park, take him to the Special Olympics uh, event that's going on this week down the road and have him volunteer. Because if he's connected to that and fully engaged, which is why I love laces, too, when we worked um, at Springfield College together, if you're fully engaged, you can't help but be practicing compassion and gratitude and empathy for the people you're working with. Yeah, absolutely not. And I think um, I think compassion is, for myself at least, where I find it easiest to come out um, is after after I've lost kind of all this energy. If I get pent up energy, that just stays in me, and it it yeah makes me depressed, makes me play dead. But if I get some sort of movement in my body, um, with people and other energies around me, then compassion is much easier to um, share. Um, And there's a a charge to it, right? If you're doing the work with people and there's a group of you, I I run races. And one of my favorite races to do, although I haven't done it in a really long time, and I've actually taken a break from races, so I'm not as fast as (laughs) I used to be, is the hot chocolate race in Northampton every year. And that is for um, people of Passage, which is, uh, um, I just lost my train of thought. It's a domestic violence shelter. They work with people in domestic violence situations and started off really, really um, small. And I actually volunteered there when I was in college. And I, I think I ran the second hot chocolate race which was completely different to now now you have to sign up in advance because it it fills up over five thousand people run through northampton every first sunday in december and good and all that money is going to domestic violence yeah survivors it it all goes yeah it all goes to to safe passage and help them make a difference and shout out to safe passage and uh charge i get from running that race is like nothing else Right. I, I swear I probably have a, like a, a better PR on that race over <laughs> any other race I do because it's so electric. As soon as you get there, there's yeah. so many people. People are pumped mm-hmm. up. There's a lot of stuff going on. 
and you, you get free chocolate too at the end so that's <laughs> who are we i mean 10 years ago if you're like you're running races and you're vegan and you both don't drink we would have been like what we're lame <laughs> man sometimes uh, i think about that uh some of those nights on on springfield college and going going on tours around with carrying wine everywhere we went um yeah with, yeah, there was some fun. There's no doubt about it now. How long the, the, you always, I, that was, I, so Steve and I had some of the best time. It, it was a Springfield College, what was it? Tour de Franzia. And we'd go around. <laughs> Tour de Franzia, yeah. Um, and we'd drink every time we saw a triangle. And that was so fun. We were so connected. It was summer camp. So we were really getting like more of a, it wasn't just like, hey, saw you in class. Like we were living together eating together, like empowering youth together, playing, you know, learning so much. Um, but it's nights like those where like, we can, I can't recreate that as no. a mom. Um, and in my thirties, but you know, you know, I would try on Tuesday nights, right. <laughs> you know, and just, um, so, you know, I think that's part of showing grace and even compassion to myself. Like, I don't want to take back some of the things that I did. I, I love, you know, and I'm so thankful that, like, I feel like my guardian needs to have a break now. Um. <laughs> right. I don't know how we, we didn't, didn't get arrested with, like, 20 of us walking around stealing lawn signs that say, don't step on this lawn. And uh, just craziness. Um, but you, I, I think you're right. And, and what you just said, is is really amazing to think about when you practice grace for yourself or compassion or gratitude it's not changing what happened in the past it's ex what happened in the past and knowing that it's led you to where you are now it, and knowing that it's okay to admit that yeah we messed up we've done stuff that was <laughs> really stupid Right, and I'm always like really open. When I was in high school, Jackass came out. We were running into signs. We almost got kicked out of the mall for having box fights. My best friend yeah. jumped into an empty inflatable pool in front of Cape Toys and skinned his knees all up for the joke of he thought he was going to be diving. The next day we went in, and there was a sign that said, "Pools do not have water in them. Please don't jump into it." And for us, that was a right low. We did something where now they have to put a sign at the inflatable pool for for idiots like us to not jump into them. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were talking about measuring sticks. So that mom would be happy to measure her son against me or my siblings who, you know, and it sounds like your friends, but look, look at us now. There's yeah. hope for the ding dong ditchers out there. And I, <laughs> yeah, there's a future. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm also very much like you in the sense that I think back to things that I did in fifth grade, or but maybe I had a terse word with with someone and I didn't really mean it. I, I hold on to that stuff, but yeah. I got, got better at not necessarily letting go, but letting go of the the judgment that used to come with it. Like, why why did I do that? why did I do that in fifth grade and hurt that person's feelings? And I brought it up to some of my friends from then. Like, Dude, no one cares. Yeah. And I had to ask myself a lot. Why do I still care about that? And I think it really stemmed from what, what you were saying. Being mean to yourself sometimes caused you to be mean to others. And I, once yeah. I made that connection, I'm okay, I can let go of the intensity I felt about it. But that, is a part of who I was or who I am. And that makes me a little bit stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think about one of my friends that I was really mean to of this woman. She's, um, and I probably do need to do that. Just call and be like, I've been beating myself up like <laughs> about this conversation. Like, tell me about it. Like, let me have it if you want to. Um, or just like, tell me I'm an idiot. <laughs> And I need to forgive myself. Exactly. I, and there's such power to that. So, you know, we've hinted at, at raising children and, and daughters, daughters to be empowered. And I think you making that change 
is is definitely going to oh my voice just cracked what am i like 13 <laughs> uh you making that change is is definitely be a, a great role model for your daughter and i think being open about those things yeah sometimes parents get sad sometimes we're hurting and it, it you know it just needs to happen if we have to work through it and i you know me and my wife try to to replicate that as much as, as we can with our daughter not necessarily adult conversations but conversations like hey yeah, this stuff happens and it's important and, and it might bum you out and that's not the intent, but, but this is how we're working through this stuff and we'll be okay. Right. Um, yeah. And I, you know, as a side note, I always like to try to answer my daughter's questions as much as I can, instead of just saying that's, that's the way it is. Um, oh, that's my, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in all systems is, you know, that's the way it is, or we've all done it that way. I just think that's so dangerous. So, right. Because it's so insightful to think, like, why do we do it? Why? Why? Right. <laughs> but they're definitely at the age where they're whying all over the place. So it, I think <laughs> it's, it's a nice um, parallel for me trying <laughs> to do the same. Like, why? <laughs> why were you drinking? Why were you, you know? Yeah. Um, I think... I was trying to explain to her this concept of um, we try to pick good foods to put inside of ourselves because once they enter us, they are part of us. And I didn't word it like that, but we were talking about the quality of food and, and why we try to do it. And she asked a bunch of questions. It's like, oh, this is going to be really fun. I want to see when she knows what she wants to know and when she disengages. So she asked, I think she asked like 25 questions. I don't remember the exact thing, but I answered every single one of them to the point where we were, we were getting to talk about tomatoes and, and how it gets broken down inside of us and what it does and then how it's excreted and how that goes back and, and, and how that's grown and just soil theory and quality of soil and like going really deep and then talking about like the rain and the weather. And at the very end of it, all she said was, oh, okay. And she just walked away. <laughs> walked away. Got it, Dad. And hey, I was like, oh. that's, that's why it's so important. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, obviously it's short and that doesn't excuse it. But I think if we keep that in mind a lot, you know, they're just inquisitive. And I, the more we can do to prepare them for this world, I think the more the world benefits and the more they benefit from it. Yeah, totally. And I think we can take, you know, a lesson from them on on being curious, you know. I think as much as I hate, um, you know, that's the way it is and we've always done it that way, I'm sure that there's programming in me that that's, you know, what I think. And so it's nice to, to have that mirror of like, yeah, and curiosity seems fun. I like learning new things, right. you know, 100%. figuring it out. So I have three questions before we wrap up the, the interview. Oh, the two are the, uh, the, the questions I ask at the end of every uh, podcast. But the first is, uh, I want to know a little bit more about your nonprofit work and your business and what you do with it. Nice. Um, that wasn't really a question, but could you tell us? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so I work for two nonprofits right now. Um, I'm sitting in my office at Save Our Springs Alliance. It's a um, local nonprofit to Austin, Texas. We sit on this beautiful aquifer um, in central Texas, which is basically an underwater cave system. Um, and so a lot of people get their drinking water from here, but um, we get these spring pools and these beautiful creeks um, feed these pools through the aquifer. So um, one of my nonprofits is to work there. Um, it's really awesome. Uh, I love the nonprofit world. There's about seven of us that work. Um, and we have lawyers that take on um, big corporations and, um, you know, try to steer development elsewhere over pumping elsewhere. Um, we do a lot of education for um, our community as well. It's really um it's been instrumental probably in my healing and just in my progression in life um, because in nonprofit world, you're kind of like the head chef and the bottle washer. Like you get to right. do everything um, and it's really empowering. Um, and 
because of my work here, I've, I've you know, be, I began seeing myself in a different light, like I'm more capable than I thought I am. My growth mindset is um, activated more than a fixed mindset. And, um, and so after working here for a few years, um, I was supplementing income by coaching volleyball. Um, and um, volleyball is so interesting and I'm, I'm so grateful for my path in it, but um, mostly it's young girls playing and, um, and women coaches. And then in most of the club program been around, then there's like this one male that is kind of dominating um, that. And, and um, I come from a club where um, a male owned it and I'm so thankful that I did. And he's wonderful. Um, but I also have coached for some that are like, you've got it all mixed up. Like you do not know what it's like to be a girl um, in her teenage years, you know. Um, and so having experience with Springs Alliance um, coupled with um, not drinking and kind of just clearing my mind, um, I was able to start Empower Juniors Volleyball Academy. Um, yeah, and so our mission um, is to use volleyball as a way to teach life skills um, to hardworking, healthy, empowered women of the future. Um, and I just, I couldn't be more grateful for that um, opportunity, that like courage it took to kind of start that um, because I fully believe you get what you give and like with all of me, like you know, from when I was a very young girl, all I knew, what I wanted to do was, like, I like the idea of kids being healthy mentally and physically. Um, and and I finally found kind of the word, like, empower is so beautiful because it's it's fully a personal thing, right? Like, right. they don't have any, like, secret sauce to how to be empowered. Um, but just the word alone, it's taking control of your own life um, and and to just have that kind of be the for the core of like take control of your own life yep shit happens what are you going to do about it I just think it's um, it's been medicine you know I, I give I try to my hope is that I'm inspiring other people and in them and what I've gotten back is that tenfold you know to say yeah, it really, um, it really is. <laughs> Thank you. Great work. That's that's awesome. All right, you ready for the last questions? Yes. Are they questions? Is my question. <laughs> I will phrase them in the form of a question. Thank you, Eric Trebek. Um, okay, so I'm going to say in both because a lot of times, and the listeners are probably tired of me saying this. A lot of times people jump to the second question. So I'm just going to put them both out there. The okay. first is because I'm a geek. I always like to ask if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Yes. And then the second more question is what do you think is your actual superpower? Oh, those are amazing questions. Um, and hilarious because I, I actually had this drop into my head the other day as I was talking to my cousin. I was like, yeah, that's the superpower, like, <laughs> to hell with flying. Um, so I went to um, this place called Crepe Crazy, and it is run by deaf people. And it was beautiful to see. And it and in me, it was like, man, I hate that I can't communicate to these people to show them my gratitude to like, you know, to um, applaud their superpower or, right. you know, um, their difference that they have in this world and how they're like handling it. There's yeah, it was amazing. So my superpower, I wish to communicate with um with all beings, like animals included. So to like, but that also means that I get to morph into it, right? So I'm right. not just like some weird human dog barking. Like <laughs> if I want to, I can be the dog. Um, yeah, and and nice. then that means I can also speak um, any language or, yeah, so that would be nice. That's nice. I like that. That's a good one. Thanks. Um, because then, right, I get to fly. 
Because if I want to speak to birds, I get to be the bird. Right. It's like the ultimate. That's, that's <laughs> very much like my answers to these questions, where it's like this creative hack where you get more superpowers. <laughs> yeah. We're that. definitely the assholes that are like asking for another wish to the right, genie. Exactly. <laughs> um, and what is my superpower? Um, I like the first thing that came to my mind is that I just like I'm a feeler, you know. Yeah. I, like, I um, I'm so you know the buzzword is an empath, um, but I definitely um, feel people's energy and feel pain and feel their happiness and like an airport for me is just like a very <laughs> place um and and so i think that that's um i think that that's my superpower with the caveat of i believe everybody's like best quality the worst quality you know if we don't find like a nice balance so me being able to do i think because i'm an empath and i um feel these energies and um and want like people to be good and to be comfortable and to be happy and um so I take a lot of that on myself so it, it can be the worst thing in me because I get so exhausted yeah. you know to the point where I get to where I'm playing dead and so I think it's a it's a superpower that um I mean I guess like any superhero needs to just like keep it in check right right yeah awesome great answers Thanks. I have this great questions. I have this <laughs> saying that I think is really pertinent too that I came up with when I was uh, in session. Um, and the idea is, you know, if superpowers ever were a thing, like actual superpowers, more than a quarter, uh, three quarters of the world wouldn't even know they had superpowers because they're so out of touch with themselves and and, mm. and their mm. psyches and and just them in general mm -hmm. and when you look at it that way because we you know we hear about marvel we talk about dc we talk about image dark horse all, all these comics they're in worlds where people have superpowers and i think that's the most fictionalized thing is that these people realize they have superpowers because we're so out of touch with ourselves i don't think we would ever even know unless we have some really blatant ones that you know we blow up a house by accident <laughs> but right. i do i do think there's a yeah. subtlety to it that that really is missed um so thank you for answering those yeah i agree um yeah i agree i think we we do have you know, some superpowers and i think we're we've just been like all kind of programmed to dole our light dole them down um so i'm glad that you're bringing them to the light <laughs> great do you have any last thoughts before we end um, last thought, um, I guess I would just say to anybody listening that I think we all are gifted this still small voice inside of us. And I think that, um, being able to trust that voice, um, is something that we've lost touch with and, um, I hope that um, that whoever is listening can find that voice and believe it um, and know that they are like I was, I've said that our you know struggles aren't unique, but I think that our gifting is, and I hope um, that people are able to use their struggles um, to let their gifts shine. Um, and I'm thankful for a friend and an old colleague who's doing that in you. And um, I just, I can't wait to see the ripple effect that it's going to continue to cause. Thank you. I'm thankful for you and I appreciate everything you do. And Yay. Go laces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a male shit right there. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean project.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean project, or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at 
thepromethianproject.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.